0: To to so keep your love on,
1: on. Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast, our mission to share God's love through the truth of His Word. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God every day. This podcast punts phony religion and offers real salvation through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's straightforward and it's straight from the Word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes a free video series to bless you, free Bible studies to strengthen you, and of course, we'd always love to hear from you. You can contact us at getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode, so let's go.
0: Keep your love on.
1: We're going to get right into it today. We have a packed show, and I am so excited for today's show because we are featuring two incredible messages from two incredible ministers, and both are going to richly bless us and help us. Number one, in knowing God, in greater truth, And wisdom and number two knowing how to forgive both ourselves and others both topics seemed particularly appropriate given the time we're in and the good news is is we get to stand on the Word of God because we know it we have it in our souls we seek it so that's our privilege to stand on the Word of God and in Ecclesiastes 3 14 it says I know that whatsoever God does it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. And God does it that men should fear before him. Isn't that incredible? So whatever God does has eternal impact. So as we do the work of the Lord, that is helping our neighbors, that is protecting the life of the womb, that is paying our tithes, praying in faith, all that is the work of the Lord. As we do that, It has eternal impact. So yeah, let's do that. Let's stand with God. Let's stand with God's righteousness. Let's do the work of the Lord and by faith stand in those eternal impacts. And what better life is there to lead? Philippians 2 verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and and trembling and this show is dedicated to giving us all the tools the knowledge the wisdom of god to be able to do that for ourselves to work out our own salvation with fear and with trembling because each of us has the solemn responsibility to be leaders in our own lives regardless of who elected officials are we are called to be leaders through jesus christ of nazareth And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have the tools to succeed. God never intended us to be sitting in some pew or sitting in some conference center watching others on stage. No, God intended us to be doers of the word, serving one another in love. And that's when our lives, when we give ourselves to that, when we give ourselves through the Holy Spirit, just knowing that the Lord can do all things, and so we give our lives to that. Man, our lives become these, these wondrous adventures. Let's go to Colossians three sixteen. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, In word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him so we are to let the word of Christ which is the Bible Christ was the word made flesh so as we read our word as we read our Bible and again as mentioned previously on other episodes just to reiterate we read the King James version of the Bible here because it was the first translation that was translated from ancient languages with no political bias no religious bias it's the pure word of God so as we read the King James Version we can let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom and then isn't that interesting that's the first thing Paul offers and then teach and admonishing one another in Psalms and hymns so then we get to help each other That is so special to know that God gives us that liberty and has that expectation for each other. So if if you've been in a place where you've been used to watching someone else do it, I'm encouraging you today to allow God to move through you and truly live in you. By using your voice and uttering the good things of God and what he's doing for you in your life. First of all, thanking him, as it says here, giving thanks to God. First of all, let's thank him. And then let's share that with one another. Let's be those leaders in our communities that say, hey, things are a little odd right now. You know, there are some unique circumstances. Here's what God's doing in my life. Here's what God's showing me. I want to teach and admonish my, my neighbors who might be suffering greatly, or perhaps the Lord did a huge miracle. And so it's so important to give hope by sharing that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. You know, if we want to be true leaders, and we want to be able to enjoy that that beautiful life that God intends for us it's important to kind of realize whose opinion matters to us and and whose opinion are we considering if there's a, a concern of you know why you know I, I can't say this or i can't do this or I, i'm not sure about this or i'm not sure about that well where does that come from let's re, let's take a moment and reflect on where is that coming from because i'll, I'll give you a hint <laughs> the only opinion that matters is God's opinion. That's it. Man's opinion should never factor in to our decision about our life and, and how, to, how to move and how to, how to live. God's opinion is the only one that we should consider. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. This is so important and this is such a key to being a true leader, is knowing who to listen to. And when we're in our word, we'll, we'll tune our ear to the voice of God. And, and when we've been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, then we'll have that in us as well. And we can listen to the voice of God and get that beautiful encouragement from him, get that beautiful instruction from him, and always have the answers for ourselves and for others. 2 Corinthians 10, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Yes, we all have jobs and certain responsibilities and, and certain things we have to take care of. It's part of being in the flesh. We don't war after the flesh. That's not really what consumes our mind or our heart or our dictates our priorities. It says here in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, Through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This scripture is so rich and, and encouraging for us all that we have weapons of warfare that are far beyond anything we can see or touch and are far mightier than we can even use our our minds to understand because they are mighty through God and they pull down strongholds. So why is it so important to have our, our hearts and minds set towards God? Because God gives us the tools to pull down anything that is not of him if there's a battle in our lives if there's uh, adversaries in our life we have the weapons of warfare through God to give us perfect victory over all of that so yes certainly I'm I am going to point my intention towards God I'm going to point my attention to God and then verse 5 again this is 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 furthermore casting down those imaginations All those high looks, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, all those uh, fancy schmancy things that try to take our attention away from God, we have the, the perfect ability through Christ to cast that down and bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, Christ keeps it very simple. He says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind and all their st- all thy strength and thy neighbor as thyself and in that you fulfill all the law and prophets he keeps it so simple and so as we bring every thought into captivity when we when we have a thought like well I would like to pursue this career okay well Christ says just love your neighbor as yourself keep God number one and then love your neighbor and then I'll give you all things it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom I have that scripture a little bit later on, but the the rest of itself takes care of itself. As we bring every thought to the obedience of Christ, this also means we need to know Christ. We need to know what his true nature is, what his true stance is. And there's the way to get that is by being in our word. That's that's the ticket to true leadership. There's a lot of people out in the world that sell leadership skills and learning and things like that. And that's a fine. that's that's If that's their business, that's fine. that's That's fine. But for your heart, for our heart, for our minds, we can know that all of the answers are right here in the word of God. We don't have to pay for some kind of expensive leadership course we've got the Word of God and we've got weapons of warfare that can cast down any imagination any high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and we will learn how to bring every thought into captivity and know what thoughts are of God and what thoughts are not let's go to verse 6 it says "And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled see again we get, to, we get to take those initial steps toward Christ. And then he meets us wherever we're at, right where we're at. It says in verse 7, Do you look on things after the outward appearance? Hmm, it's a great question. If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for education and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are white, weighty, and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Apostle Paul is one of the greatest leaders in human history. And here he is saying, look, are you you looking at my outward appearance? hmm here's verse 11 let such an one think this that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent such will we be also indeed when we are present Paul is saying this authority that he has in God is eternal it doesn't matter whether he's in present or in letters it's an it's an eternal authority from God Almighty And anyone who would look at the outward appearance and try to diminish it because they're, you know, the person who's giving you the word of God or the person who's giving the instruction isn't some, you know, some rock star jumping up and down on some big stage. Are we looking at the outward appearance or are we going to tune our ear to the voice of God and hear true instruction and hear true leadership? It's up to each of us. To tune our ear to that. If you just want a dog and pony show, well, those are available and really easy to come by. If we want truth, if we want answers, it's in the Word of God and we can tune our ears and read for ourselves and get it for ourselves. It's a beautiful thing not to rely on the dog and pony show or not to have to wade through a dog and pony show. No, God keeps it simple, and we get to also. And Paul's saying, don't look on the outward appearance. Consider this eternal authority from God. And here's why it's important to do that in verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. (laughs) This is like Hollywood and the Oscars. Okay, so they're comparing themselves among themselves and then giving each other awards. That's not wise. God has so much more for us. There's, it's so much bigger than that. And it's never about numbers for God. It's never about numbers. It's about the heart, that pure heart to seek him. So Paul is saying, I'm never, I'm never going to count how many, how many people follow me. I don't not commending myself. <laughs> That's something the world does. That's an ego-driven thing. That's not a god. God doesn't do that. He doesn't. He doesn't need to. First of all, God doesn't need to. No true minister will ever try to make you a number. Any true minister will say your soul, your individual soul is the most precious thing before God. So I want to minister to that. I want to feed that. And I want to encourage you to get it for yourself. That's a true minister. That's the heart of a true minister. Always, always teaching and admonishing and offering the good things of God. Verse 13, but we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand but he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord for not he that commendeth himself is approved but whom the Lord commendeth well news flash to all the big shots out there on fancy stages thinking you're doing some work if God isn't commending that work. Then they're just commending themselves. And that's reality. That's why God's opinion is the only one that matters. I don't know about you guys, but over the last, I don't know, I feel like 15 years, it feels like there have been so many more self-promoting quote-unquote gurus out there, right? They got, everyone's got a business to promote, and so they do it, and there's a lot of avenues to do it through. But God's opinion is the only one that matters. So as we stay focused on that, we will see our own leadership in our lives develop, our family life improve, our children become obedient and responsible, our, our spouses or those in our lives flourishing with the love that we're able to share with them, that we're, the love we're able to give them, because we have true love in our heart. And we have the true answers of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So if God's opinion is the only one that matters, then it helps if we want to be good leaders. If we want to be true leaders, it is important to know who and what we are. In God's eyes. And so I have a very special message from Brother Bob. Now, this man knew how to take authority over Satan and his lies and deceit. And one of the biggest lies that Satan tells is you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You'll always be stuck. (laughs) That's such a lie of Satan. And we're pummeling it today because it's not true. And Brother Bob knew so well how to do that with love. And he also knew who he was in God's eyes, and taught each and every one of us, he's my spiritual grandfather, and always taught us how to get that same understanding for ourselves and how to see ourselves with that same confidence and strength that God himself gives us. So here's our dear, wonderful, my spiritual grandfather and our dear, wonderful friend, brother Bob. This
2: is is from Ephesians. It's called, I am. And I think I'll just entitle the message today, I am. I am a Christian. I am saved. I am blessed. I am glorified. (laughs) I am in God's care. I don't think you could put many more I am's to it than that. So let's just call this message, I am. Because the great I am is the author and finisher of our faith, so we might as well say, well, I am in him. Let us go to the first verse of Ephesians 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. At one time I was dead in trespasses and sin, but God has quickened me, and I am no longer dead. I am no longer caught in trespasses and in sin, because I am a witness that God truly has delivered me through His Son, Jesus Christ. It says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Satan today is working in the children of disobedience. by through You can tell by the breaking of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. All of these commandments are being broken by the children of disobedience today. The children of disobedience are being highly trained through the medium or the media of television, newspapers, etc. You never hear anything good anymore. Very seldom ever hear anything good. The news today is not news. It's just the praising of the devil and what he's doing everything evil I wonder why the news media can't find something good to talk about for a change why not get some spirit-filled preachers up there and have them on for the news broadcast so that they can give you some good news for a change well I've got good news for you today folks and here it comes among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But listen to this fourth uh, verse. But God, who is rich in mercy, now that's good news. For his great love wherewith he loved us, he loves us, that's good news. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, that's good news. By grace are you saved, or by Jesus Christ are you saved, now that's good news. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that is good news. That's better than hearing about, well, so-and-so was killed in a car wreck yesterday and the rebels blew up another embassy. (laughs) That isn't news. That's just praise of the devil. Praise of the children of disobedience, those that don't know God. I hope I'm enlightening your minds to what's going on now. That's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. You don't have to listen to that stuff. Get you a Bible, a good old King James Version. Start reading and studying a Bible and hear the good news. Read this instead of your newspaper at night. All newspapers are good for, as far as I'm concerned anymore, is to start a fire in the fireplace. (laughs) You folks enjoying this fire in the fireplace today? I sure am. It's kind of nippy out here in British Columbia right now. The weather's cool and a little snow on the ground and frost and a little ice here and there. But you know, it's just wonderful to be here. You can go from a nice warm house right out into that crisp, cold air, go out and pet my horses and check my animals out and just talk to God in peace and in quiet out here on the farm. You folks have the same power to do the same thing. Just start enjoying what you've already got and God will give you more. Just start enjoying it. Don't hoard it or love it. Just enjoy it. God will do better for you. Because, He said, we're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ. All the riches of heaven and glory are at our fingertips if we want them or need them. So start enjoying what you have instead of worrying about it. Worrying is bad news. (laughs) Loving and being loved is good news. It says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. It says in the ages to come, that means eternity, He's going to show the exceeding riches of His glory and of His grace. He's going to show us the exceeding riches of His Christ and the good things that He's got for us. Now that's good news, isn't it? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. You see, you can't save yourself. God has to do that. But you can make the effort to be saved and to be blessed. And if you're already saved, you can make the effort to go on and be glorified, justified and sanctified. You just make the little effort. It says, be ye holy. You get holy. God doesn't make you holy according to the word you do. It says, be you holy. You do it. Let's go a little further in the scripture now. It said that we're not saved of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now you folks that think you're going to get into heaven by your works, forget it. Won't work. You've got to have faith mixed with those works. Now faith. Works won't get you in. All your works will do is just give you something to boast about in the natural. They're not worth a hill of beans, unless they are mixed with great faith and love and joy and peace. Then your works will be accepted before the Lord. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, he says here, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Well, we were just a creature before Christ Jesus came in. Now we are a workmanship created or a created workmanship. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord guides us. The Spirit of the Lord does the works. Not by right nor by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Ye must be born again. You must be filled with His Spirit. Jesus in one place said, Be ye filled with the Spirit. Be filled with it. Not half full, not up to here, not right here, or not right to there, or even to there. You've got to have it overflowing. David said, My cup runneth over. Have the Spirit running over. I've seen people get so full of the Spirit and run out of their eyes in the form of tears. They would be so tender and so gentle and so meek before the Lord. It's a wonderful feeling. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at ta- that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world." You know, I remember when I had no faith and when I didn't know the covenant of God and had no hope in this world. And it was a horrible feeling. That was bad news. It was bad news for me. I didn't know it was news, but I knew it was bad. I knew it was bad the day after I got converted. I knew I'd lived in a bad situation. If you folks are tired of living in a bad situation in this world, just listen to me. I'll teach you how to remedy it. Trust me. Have faith in God. You and I will get along real good. I'm here to get along with you. I'm not here to fight you. I'm not here to tell you what to do or how to do it. I'm just here to tell you what God says to do and how to do it. Do it by the Spirit of the Lord. Do it in love and joy and peace. Do it, do it without being ordered or pushed. You know, God doesn't order people around He doesn't push them around. He's meek and lowly. He'll speak to you in a quiet voice, in a good voice, in a sweet voice, one that you can understand in a peaceable voice. He wants you to be in a peaceable habitation, not in tribulation. Let's go a little further here. Well, here's what, here's the verse that covers everything I just said. For now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You see, God has taken the middle wall of partition. That thing that came between you and God, whether it be sin or whatever, he's taken down that wall of partition. Let me explain that a little more. It's a spiritual thing. The rich man in hell lifted up his eyes and seeing Abraham afar off. Well, there was a wall of partition between the rich man in hell and Abraham in paradise. Well, he's taken away that wall now. He has put you to where you can sit in heavenly places on this earth. Where you can be at peace of mind, body, soul, and spirit right here on the earth. Because Jesus went into the nether parts of the earth and release the prisoners as they were men. Release the spirits. And now, when you leave this body, you go up or you go down. You either go into heavenly places in Christ or you go into the nether parts of the earth, back into captivity. Listen to this. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make to himself of twain one new man, so making peace. You don't even have to go out and shed the blood of goats and bulls and obey a bunch of ordinances now. It said he abolished them right here. It said he has, between his flesh, taken away the imity of the law and commandments contained in ordinances. So if you're under a bunch of ordinances today and things that you got to do and do this and do that, bead counting and candle lighting and walking on your knees and Whatever. You don't have to do that anymore. Jesus did away with all that. You see, Christ is not on the cross anymore. Some people portray him as still a Christ on the cross. One that couldn't move or can't do, move about or can't get around. No, he's not on the cross anymore. It said he was taken down from the cross, wrapped in, in uh, clean linen and buried and then risen the third day. You see, the cross doesn't hold him back anymore. The cross is only a symbol of what he represents. It's only a symbol of what he's already overcome. So just overcome these ordinances, folks, and start worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth and in freedom, freedom of your own mind, freedom of your own home, freedom of your own personality. Let God use you, let God hear from you according to the way you would like to talk to him. He'll hear you according to your own voice, according to your own personality. You don't have to go through somebody else. You don't have to go through a string of beads or look upon a little old wooden cross somewhere that doesn't have any power in it. <laughs> That's an idol. Forget it. Worship Christ in spirit and truth. The word. Worship him in the word and through the word. Then you'll start gaining faith, power, and the gifts of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. Uh-huh gentleness, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, right down the line, God will start using you. Your life will change. You'll be able to walk in among sinners or saints and just feel at home, be able to look every man in the eye and smile, be able to tell them when they ask you, what are you smiling about? Oh, I found the Lord. He's wonderful. That's one of his names. Wonderful. The Prince of Peace. The Everlasting Father. Right down the line. I've got it. You know, I've never had to find it. I always thought I had it. You see these signs on the back corner, I found it? Well, I've never lost it. <laughs> it was never lost to me. It's there all the time. You don't have to find it, it's there all the time. It's here now. So, why don't some of you put some bumper stickers on and say, I never lost it? I've always had it. <laughs> It'd sure be cute. Mm-hmm. I'd like that. Found what? What's the it? Say, I found Jesus. Put one on there, tell them what the it is. just saying i found it put one on there said i found jesus (laughs) or i got jesus make up some bumper stickers to that effect let's be positive for a change okay tell them what tell the word what the it is tell them what the it is you got the it right here it's all in the bible if you got the bible you got it you got the way the truth and life you got the road map well i guess i better get back to scripture i get going here i just can't hardly quit you know these are only half hour programs and they go so fast so If I talk too fast, let me know. I'll slow down. Listen to this now. It says that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. You see, God preaches peace both to the saint and to the sinner. It says to them that are afar off, the sinner, and to them that are nigh. I believe... I don't believe that I'm preaching to too many sinners today. If you feel that you are a sinner, just say, Lord, here am I, use me. Take away the sin and be a sinner no more. It only takes that long. Ten seconds, five seconds, four seconds, half a second, whatever. It says, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We can get to God the Father through Jesus Christ. One spirit. The spirit of Christ within us, our hope of glory. Now, therefore, you who are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, it says, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. There are still apostles and prophets today. Let me turn to Revelations twenty-one fourteen for just a moment. I'll find it here, just a second. Revelation 21, 14. Listen to this now. And the wall of the city, this is the heavenly Jerusalem, had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb or of Christ. Now you talk about that heavenly Jerusalem that's going to come down when with Jesus. That's it. It's the foundation of the apostles and the prophets on resurrection day. That's the new heavenly Jerusalem. That's the wall of the city. You're getting the wall built right now around you. You've already entered into the heavenly Jerusalem if you believe the gospel, if you believe this word that Paul's teaching here today. Because it says, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's that heavenly Jerusalem that's going to come down. The saints that's already gone to meet the Lord is going to come back with Jesus on the resurrection morning, or day, and we, the rest of the city that are waiting here, will go up to meet them. But the foundations of the walls are the twelve apostles, and the wall are the saints. Uh-huh. Even as far back as Daniel, it said, and the Lord shall return with ten thousands and thousands of his saints. with well, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city. <laughs> Some people are trying to teach us it's going to be a bunch of buildings up there. What are we going to need material buildings for when we're omnipotent? A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see, Jesus once said. I'm not going to need a chair to sit in or a building to sit in. I know God's got glorious things for us, but it won't be like sitting on this chair today. Actually, this chair is very uncomfortable if you sit in it too long because the back's too straight. I don't want to have to sit in a chair like this throughout eternity. I want to be able to float through everything like Jesus did. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I want to be able to see your glorified body as it is there. God gave me a vision of a glorified body one time. Very beautiful. I was sitting in a church in Florida one time as I was pastoring a church in Florida. And I asked God to show me what the human soul looked like. And he did. The front door opened. I saw this lady come through and he translated her right before my eyes. And it was the most beautiful sight I ever saw. And from that moment forward, I have never seen you people out there as natural people. In my mind, through that vision, I see you as beautiful glorified bodies to be with throughout eternity. That's what God's saying here in his word in this 21st verse, or 21st, 22nd verse. In whom also you are built together for a habitation of God, through the Spirit. You see, since Christ hanged on the cross, we are no longer a natural type person, but your body became the temple of the Holy Ghost. In one place it says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That's why God said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's why he said, I will glorify you. He will put the Spirit of glory in you. He has put the Spirit of glory in you already, many of you out there listening today. So you see, there's more to the gospel than just a little itty-bitty Bible story. God's people are sick and tired of itty-bitty Bible stories. They're sick of uh, just a little crumb of the pie when they can have the whole pie. They're sick and tired of eating hard candy when they can have good soft chocolate. I'm using this for an example. Or a big, thick, did you ever eat a German chocolate cake? Oh, there's something terrific. They're about six or seven layers thick and they've got a thickness of chocolate in between each layer, at least a half an inch or an inch. Well, why eat an old sour apple when you can have a German chocolate cake? (laughs) Or any other kind of chocolate cake? I'm just using that for an example because some of my relatives back there were of German descent. I'm sort of a Heinz 57, but I kind of hold to German cooking. I'm sort of a gourmet myself. And I like good things. That's why I chose the gospel, because it is just as good and much better than good cooking. If you love good cooking, then you'll love the gospel because it's just as good or better. I'm using that for an example now. You folks out there that want the good things to start happening in your life, start trusting the Lord. It says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on His name today. And even if you are saved, call on it anyhow and say, Lord, I just want to let you know I'm here. If you've been silent before him in prayer for a while, say, Lord, renew a right spirit in me and let me pray. Let me get back to you again, Lord. Let me come back. I want to come back. Do it in the privacy of your own home and your own mind. Do it somewhere where you can be free before him. I see my time is getting away from me. It's about up. But I want you folks to know I truly love you. I know I say this on every broadcast, but I truly love you. My prayer is God bless.
1: So wonderful to have you here today. Uh, We're talking about true leadership. We just heard from our wonderful friend, Brother Bob, discussing that as well, the good news of God. And we have that same liberty within ourselves to showcase that. And actually that's the expectation God has for each of us. In the first part of the show, we read in Colossians how we are to uh, exhort and teach one another and use that good news of God in our lives to encourage each other. Uh, We have another amazing minister today, too. And uh, in order to become a true leader, it's really important that we lay the foundation for our lives on the truth of the word. So here in Psalms 127, verse 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Isn't that wonderful? As we lay the foundation, as we seek God in our lives, as we keep him number one in our life, we can trust That he will build those houses in our lives, so to speak. He will build that proper vocation or that proper career. He'll build that right relationship that will feed us love through our lives. He'll build that. And reality is, if it's not from God, it's going to crumble. Eventually, it's going to crumble. God is the source of eternal love joy and peace there's no crumbling to God there's no way to diminish God he's always victorious he's always righteous so as we do that as we allow God to be our foundation we get that same thing in our lives and then also you know there's a real culture to just work hard go 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 keep going keep going but reality is it says right here God giveth his beloved sleep He will give us rest as we let go of what our priorities are and we allow God to establish priorities in our life for his benefit and for his purpose. He'll give us that rest. We don't have to keep running and keep pursuing these things. He gives his beloved sleep. So let's let's take that in. Let's really make sure that's again Psalms 127, verses one and two. It's so beautiful. Say let let's lay the foundation right on the truth of God, and then trust Him, and He gives His beloved sleep. Second Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel is one of my favorite books in the Word. Chapter 22 is just outstanding, and here's chapter 23. And it's excellent as well verses 3 and 4 it says the God of Israel said the rock of Israel spake to me he that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God and he shall be as the light of the morning when the Sun riseth even a morning without clouds as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's what good leadership is. That's the impact being a true leader has. And again, we can start in our own lives. If we're single and we don't have a family, let's start in our own lives, in our own homes, with our roommates, if we're living with a group of other people, let's let's start in our own lives. And if we are, if we do have a family and a spouse and children, well, then we can make sure that we are that wonderful leader that when our children wake up, they see us as the sun rising, even a morning without clouds, that beautiful, brilliant blue sky. That's what it's like when, when we have the Lord guiding us in true leadership. So let's go to Luke 12 now, and we'll start in verse 29. Again, we were speaking earlier in the show about how God's opinion is the only one that matters. And it says here in Luke 12, verse 29, and seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink neither be of it ye of a doubtful mind for all these things do the nations of the world seek after and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom that's very straightforward and so wonderful that that's a promise of God and God is only righteous. He has to deliver on his promises. So as we just seek him, all these things shall be added unto you. And that gives us that rest that was spoken about in Psalms. He gives his beloved sleep. That gives us that rest that we can know we can rest in the Lord and trust in him. First Corinthians chapter two, we're talking about true leadership and how God sculpts us each very uniquely and individually and for very unique and individual walks there isn't any cookie cutter approach and it's so important to recognize this and to understand that the messages or the messenger that the lord sends out often takes on different shapes and sizes backgrounds god's never in a box he has a lot of wonderful true pure hearted ministers and and so i love what apostle paul says here in first corinthians chapter 2 again apostle paul was is one of the greatest leaders in human history he he revolutionized the world forever and um so it's so incredible to see how he did that and in first corinthians chapter 2 verse 1 it says and i brethren when i came to you came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't try to impress anybody with fancy jargon, with slideshow slide show presentations or fancy videos. He just had his testimony of God. And that is always eternally the most powerful thing ever. So if... If there is someone who you've been watching, or listening to, or looking up to, who has a bunch of excellency of speech and wisdom, just take every thought into captivity of Christ and line it up with the Word of God to know whether or not this is a true leader or if it's a a dog and pony show. We get that. We get to do that because we have the truth. We have the Word of God. So we can do that. We don't have to rely on, well, let me get back to the word here. It says in verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Isn't that incredible? That's true leadership right there. That's true leadership. Not trying to impress anybody. (laughs) Doesn't want you to rely on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. That's true leadership. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you, Apostle Paul, for that stance. In verse 6, this is so cool. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Ooh, cool. Well, Number one, that word perfect, it just means complete and whole. This is a spiritual perfection. It's not a worldly perfection. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Well, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are complete and whole through Christ. So that's who Paul's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit filled Christians that are perfect, complete and whole. It's a spiritual thing. So I'll start that verse again. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew; for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Ooh, that's another incredible ticket to why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit. And we've taught on this before. It says in Acts 2.38, repent, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's Acts 238 and I think through 239. I, I don't have it in front of me right now. So that's what the Lord is saying. That's why being filled with the Holy Spirit is so cool because it's certain, searching all things in the deep things of God. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak? Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Isn't that so cool? Okay, all the little tunnel vision focus that we've been taught in this world, all the the narrow tunnel vision stuff, you know, here's how you pursue a career. Here's where you go to college. Here's what you got to do. Here's how you do this. Here's all that very narrowly focused concepts. Bloom. blown out of the water by God Almighty and the spiritual and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love it. And so we have access to all of it. All of it. God gives us all of it. James 3, it says, "Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? I'm sorry, this is James 3, verse 13. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter, bitter, envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Hmm. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So a lot of that in the workplaces and we don't have to be part of it because verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That's true leadership, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, And without hypocrisy so it's clear to get our lives where we want them to be to lead our families to prosperity to overcome the stagnation of this life well we must become spiritually minded and it says here in James we actually the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace so how do we make peace well one of the quickest ways is to forgive that's right we can forgive and allow that peace that comes into our lives from it. So our dear friend Trish, she's a wonderful minister full of love and knowledge, taught by a true fivefold ministry, and we offered a full show on that topic. So feel free to go back to the Get Your Love on archives and review that if you'd like more information on it. Well, today she offers us this beautiful wisdom, and you'll hear a perfect. And now according to the word, the word perfect just means complete and whole it's a spiritual perfection you'll hear a perfect explanation on the importance of forgiveness here's our dear friend trish
3: it's so wonderful to visit with god's elect with god's faithful people and with souls that really desire to have a full understanding and a wonderful glorious walk with the lord and have the Lord in their life. What a marvelous thing we have and behold in the Lord. Today, I want to share with you something that the Lord put on my heart, and He wanted every soul, young and old, to know that God is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of forgiveness. What a wonderful, compassionate, loving, marvelous God we serve. I know there are souls that are just new to the kingdom and there's souls that have walked a long time with the Lord, but these principles apply to everyone. I want to read to you a song that I heard when I was a, a new soul, just entering into the kingdom of God. I didn't know the Lord really well. I wanted to know him with all my heart. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to be pleasing. And unfortunately, when you first come in, well, unfortunate to the, I don't know if that's the best word, but that's the way it is. When you first come in, you come in with baggage. The world, it is unfortunate. The world had lied to me. I tried to be a good person. I wanted to be a good person, but I'd been shaped by the information the world was giving me. And now I have a whole new database to draw from. I've got the Lord himself teaching me and the structure that he set up on this earth, the fivefold ministry, to groom me and teach me how to live that life right, the life that I wanted to live. So I remember sitting out in a beautiful meadow with an apostle. We were fortunate. It was a beautiful sunny day, and we had a meeting outside. I'll never forget it. And I was having a rough time because I was making mistakes. I was being corrected every time I turned around. I was trying to do it right and not realizing what was right and what was wrong. But I wanted to know what was right. And so I was beating myself up pretty good because I'd made some mistakes and it had been pointed out and I'm going, oh, so that very well seasoned apostle sat there. He knew this and he says, well, I want to have a song sung. And he pointed over to the singers at that time. And he says, sing this. And I knew he was singing it for me. So I'm going to read you the words to this song. And anyone that's having a time of it and you think you're just kind of messing it up, well, here's what God has to say. The title of the song is, We Are the Father's Elect and Chosen Ones. And here it is. If you make a mistake, God's heart you won't break. Keep on trying and plugging away. If you do something wrong, don't think about it too long. Just you listen. God's got something to say. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was tempted like as we are, yet without sin he did overcome. He's the one we stand before. He deals with us kindly. We are the Father's elect and chosen ones. If you're giving your all, and perhaps you stumble and fall, look to Jesus. He'll put you back on the way. Each day we must overcome Now God's the forgiving one. Say you're sorry and be on your way. Isn't that beautiful? I had to learn the simplicity of God. I had to learn how large his heart is. And then when you say you're sorry, it's done. It's over. Take on everything he told you and showed you and go on from there linger on it and beat yourself up, take it on and move forward. David in the Psalms, he understood this precept. He understood this dynamic and over in Psalms 130, starting in verse three, he said to the Lord, if thou Lord shouldest mark iniquities, in other words, hold them against you. If you make a mistake, if he holds it, everything you do, against you oh lord who shall stand look i was a new soul i had to learn some things children they learn things along the way and when it gets pointed out they go oh i'm not going to do that again it's very simple listen to what god has to say about it line up with him and just don't do it again now you know not to do it again just line up see brother uh king david knew if you mark everything, nobody's going to make it. There's not going to be anybody left standing because we're in this carcass. We're in this, this realm and we're learning and we're being groomed and perfected daily, hourly and daily. It's a walk of perfecting. And I'll give you scripture to back that up in a moment. David goes on to stay, say, but there is forgiveness, forgiveness. That is the most beautiful word to study out, forgiveness, with thee, with God, that thou mayest be feared. Now, do you see that, that there's forgiveness with God, that thou mayest be feared? He understood that that forgiveness comes from God, and that fear is written in you. What is that fear? It's a desire to do what's pleasing to God. And when he forgives you, you're going to absolutely have that written in you that you don't want to be displeasing, and it keeps you safe. It keeps you on point. What a beautiful, beautiful working that is. The fear of God keeps you safe. You don't want to be out of place. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Isn't that something? And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Not some, not a few, all of his iniquities. He will redeem you. You've been baptized into that holy state of that holy Israel that God has created. You've been baptized into it and he will redeem you from all iniquities. You're abs- you've already been redeemed. Now I did say that you're going from, you're being perfected. And it is true, perfection and glory. Over in Matthew five forty eight, be ye therefore perfect. This is the Lord saying that. Even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. Basically what God's gonna do now, once you have got all the tools, you've been baptized, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have that interaction that connection with him you've got that that structure of the fivefold ministry teaching you and i'm going to cover that in a moment and it's for your perfecting you are perfect because if you do make a mistake you say you're sorry it's wiped away it's gone when you went down in that watery grave every single thing that you had done is washed away gone As you walk along from that point, you're in a perfect state. You've got all the tools you need. You're complete. You've got everything you need to continue to be free of sin. If something, if you stumble or you fall or you make a mistake along the way, you just stop, look at the Lord, say you're sorry. He forgives you. It's gone. That's how you live without sin. You don't keep it. You get rid of it. So you stay clear throughout your entire life. You stay clear. You're walking continually being perfected. You go on, on to perfection. You become perfected more and more. You go from glory to glory. You go from perfection to perfection on and on and on. And you just become more perfect, more clear, more full. Over in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, that fivefold ministry. Why? Why did God do that? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that interesting? For the perfecting of the saints. That fivefold ministry will help you understand what you should and shouldn't be doing. If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, it will be very beautifully laid out before you through the word, through all the different workings of the administration of God in one way or another. It'll be shown you, this isn't what you should be doing. And then you just say, I'm sorry, I did that. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you become more perfect and more perfect and more perfect. So that sin is removed. It doesn't remain in you. And your slate is kept washed clean all the time daily washed clean it doesn't mean you just sin over and over and over it means if something if you're caught in something and it's pointed out to you you clear it you clear it quickly and go on and you be actually become stronger you're becoming stronger in it until you have that fullness of christ in your makeup it's a beautiful beautiful thing what god has done is the most marvelous wonderful god that we serve and he speaking of jesus shall and god he shall redeem israel from all his iniquities all of them in hebrews 8 verse 12 it says for i will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities i will remember no more that is a really really important concept to take on and make part of your makeup because you're taking on christ when you've gone down in that water you came up out of that watery grave a new creature in the image of god and you're taking on christ and his ways of doing things and he says, he, his their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And we're going to go on with that and describe how he teaches the people when he comes in, when he came here, how he taught the people. Over in Matthew 22, verse 36. Now, he's being tried and tempted here by a religious spirit. And this re- religious spirit said to a master, Which is the great commandment in the law? Well, Jesus answered him with great wisdom here. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets isn't that something love enters into the picture you love god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind your mind and your soul are your mind is your soul with every ounce and every fiber. Love God. That's the first commandment. The second one is love your neighbor. Isn't that something? Love them the way he loves you. Loves you. That's an active now statement. In 1 John four ten, it says, herein is love. If you want to know what love is, here it is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Isn't that something? The meaning of propitiation is atonement. He's the atonement for our sins. Now think about this very carefully what Jesus actually did here. He's an expiator, it means he makes amends. Or compens- make which is compensation for a loss he made amends or made a compensation for a loss damage or injury of any kind a recompense do you know what he did he selflessly paid that atonement for all the sin that was in every soul by sacrificing his own body. He paid that ultimate price, and even though he didn't do anything wrong, he made an atonement for all sin. So everyone had that opportunity to be forgiven of all sin and be able to be free and clear of sin. He made that atonement. It's very, very important because that's how we walk and live our lives. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Isn't that something? No man hath seen God at any time. He's talking about fleshly man. No fleshly man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us so there's a process in how that love in us is being perfected all the time hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit now you've got the infilling of the holy ghost you've got the manifestation of it by this the manifestation of tongues That's the proof of it and the evidence of it. You've got that communication. Now that godly communication that loses the power and authority and everything that you will ever need while you're in this life through that. And he will teach you how to love like he loves. And he'll teach you how to go on and not have sin dwelling in your life and how to help others. Hebrews 5, 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, that have walked a long time in the Lord, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now that seems like a pretty interesting statement there. If you really look at it, what is that use? It's experience. It's falling down, scraping your knees and getting up getting healed it's making mistakes going for before god finding out the right way to do it saying sorry and going okay i'm never going to do that again you just became larger your perfection grew you've added to your your house your mansion that you're building in eternity now i was laying on my bed this morning and i was thinking about what it looks like when you're building a house or at putting an addition on a house Now, see we've entered into this walk of promise we've been promised a greater life after this existence is finished after we're done here i don't know of anybody on this earth who has an earthen body that isn't going to age wear out and die but what will remain what you've accomplished during this life between you and god and every time you do those things that god has lined out for you you are adding to the structure that you're gonna receive when you leave this life. All the blessing, all of that mansion, it's being increased and enlarged. Now when you have to enlarge a building, you strip it down. It doesn't look really good, there's a big mess, it looks pretty ugly. We've seen a lot of uh, remodels being done. But as you keep building and reshaping it and putting all the new addition on, And then after you've got that addition on, you clean it up. And if you have to re-landscape, you do whatever you need to do. But the finished product is wonderful and it's custom designed to you by God. And that's what he's doing with your, your soul and your eternity. And when you make those mistakes, like it says, God's heart you're not breaking. Just stop. He's got something to say to you. Just say you're sorry. Don't dwell on it too long. Just listen to what he has to say and take that on. Restructure that building. How beautiful it is. And that's that exercising he's talking about. And if you look at a small child versus an older child, you'll see, you're going to see the training that the small child doesn't have that the older child does have. Why? Because the older child did the things that the small child did and got corrected for it. And when he's older he's going i'm not going to go through that again and it does it applies all the way around no matter what your age is it's a constant ongoing process of god and as you're walking along it may not look pretty for a while when it when you've done something wrong but there's an addition you're going to receive so you're going to be you're going to add experience and that's why that strong meat belongs to the aged, because they've been had their, exor- their sen- senses exercised a lot and they've overcome. And they've got that experience under their belt. And others can go to them and say, oh man, I'm going through this. And they say, oh yeah, I've been there, this is what you do, and you're, you're good to go. This is how you line up, this is how you overcome it, this is how you make it right. What a beautiful God we serve. All right, over in 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, therefore the world knoweth us not. The natural mind is never going to be able to wrap its head around this. A worldly person that does not have that infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is the tool that gives them that understanding, They're not gonna be able to understand how you can be perfect. How can they? They don't have the tools to be perfect. So it doesn't exist to them. It's a foreign concept because it knew him not. The world doesn't know God. Not until they do exactly what you did, new Christians, is come to him and say, okay, I'm tired of the old way. I want a new way. I want to have that power that you have. I want to know you. And serve you in a whole new way and those of you that are on the bench there there is a new way there is a better way and it's a really wonderful way to live your life with victory so that sin and sickness and all that other sorrow it has no hold on you anymore because you will have all the tools you need to go on and live that life free Of sin absolutely free because God knows how to forgive that sin he's the author of it he designed a way for it to work where the law couldn't make it perfect the new thing that God brought in does make it perfect and it's Christ and his atonement for you beloved now are we the sons of God he's talking to the ones that have done made that commitment have entered into his kingdom, have received him into their life, have got that fullness of him working and activated in their physical member, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Now, we're in this transitionary state. As long as we're in this physical temple containing the Holy Ghost, we don't know fully what we're going to be, but we have the hope of it. We have the promise of it. We have that confidence in God and His Word, but we know this is what we do know when He shall appear, He's going to appear either to you personally or when He ends all of this completely. One way or another, He will appear. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Saying, I'm sorry. If you make a mistake, say you're sorry. You've just purified yourself. And that purifying process is not just by saying you're sorry, it's by taking on that, listening for that instruction, taking on that instruction, making that a part of your makeup and your behavior and walking in that and not repeating the old mistake. That old mistake now is not part of you. It's washed away and God will not bring it up again because he's forgotten it. Forgive and forget. Do you know it's a sin to bring somebody's old faults back up? Forgive and forget. Washed away. Let it go. Let it go here and let it go here. Otherwise you're going to be harboring something and it'll cause a a stumbling. We'll get into that more later, but get to understand what God's like, how he lets it go. Let it go for yourself and let it go. If others have done something, let it go. When they've changed and they've taken on that new man, meet them where they are and stay there don't regress back don't look back that's going backwards look forward mm-hmm. all right purify it the meaning of it is to make clean sanctify purify yourself make it clean uh, ceremonially or morally make yourself morally clean so if you've done something that wasn't the way God wanted you to behave. And he points it out and I don't care how old you are because as long as we're here and we're in these physical carcasses, we're gonna have things in front of us and challenges and there's gonna be a process of perfecting going on all the time. And you just keep walking forward in it and moving forward in it and just keep growing and building, growing and building, growing and building and maintaining and leaving the rubble behind. All right, Acts 3, verse 16. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now what they're talking about here, there was a great healing performed. And they're explaining the prophets there are explaining the apostles back then in Acts. They, they performed this great um, miracle on this man, and they're, and they're explaining it. And it says, through Jesus' name, that's whose name they're talking about, through faith in his name hath made this man strong. Now see, your faith in the name of Jesus makes you strong. When you have faith and confidence in Jesus, knowing that if you've made a mistake and you've gone to him and you said you're sorry and you've purified yourself, that is gone and you are now stronger. There's your faith. Have that faith. Go forward in that faith. Go forward in that confidence whom you see and know. Now this man, they all knew this man and he'd been infirm all his life, but God, he was healed His faith and confidence in God healed him and made him all new. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Do you see how it's perfect? And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it. Through ignorance they found fault. They were ignorant. They didn't understand what they were doing. As did your rulers. He said, now your rulers, they, they uh, found folly and attributed folly to this, whatever went on, in ignorance. And they crucified Christ in ignorance. They didn't know what they were doing. Do you see how that love covers it? You didn't understand it. It was in ignorance you did it. Mm-hmm. But those things which God before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets... That christ should suffer he hath so fulfilled there's going to be a process of god your life is on a course now and it's going to go through certain things and certain things are going to take pace take place in order to fulfill everything that god has for you here so it may seem like you're way off base at times and but there's going to be something a dynamic written down in you that's going to be very beneficial down the road And look, these people had crucified Christ. He said the word had to be fulfilled. You did it in your ignorance. Mm -hmm. But now that he's told it to them, now they know. So what should they do now that they know what they did was wrong? Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that something? There it is in a nutshell, right there. They literally crucified Christ. And there was the love of God so established in these apostles, in these men going forward in the Lord. They had that incredible ability to forgive those men that crucified Christ. And they had that largeness of heart to know and understand the word, that it had to be fulfilled, and that they were innocent of it because they didn't have the understanding of what they were doing. God had not given it to them then. But they also knew that God gave it to them now. And that great love gave them that opening and that opportunity to make it right. Now, here's the reality. Some will and some won't. Some will make it right and some won't. Some will be offended at the workings of God. They'll dig their heels up and they'll say, no, I won't repent. I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to keep doing it my way. And then there's others that will repent. They'll fall on their knees. They'll say, Lord, I didn't know. Forgive me. What will God do? He'll forgive them. And once God forgives you, I'll tell you something, don't hold it against yourself. If God forgives it and washes it away, why should you hold on to it and beat yourself up? Remember that little song I said, don't think about it too long? Remember what you've got and what you've gained and go forward in that knowing you're stronger, you're better, you're larger, and you've got something to offer people now. Isn't that something? It's a win-win with God. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. He will give it to you. He will refresh you daily. You have that beautiful language now that you got when you went down into that watery grave of baptism under those holy hands. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the remission, the wiping away of all sin. And from that point on, you have that power to be exercised through your entire life as long as you're here, to take that authority over sin and wash it away. Wash it away. Wash it away. Wipe it away. Gone. Lord, forgive me. It's gone, and it won't be remembered. Just keep going forward, forward, forward. Mm -hmm. And you don't repeat it. You're clear. Over in Acts 17, In verse 23 they passed by this group of people now these this group of people were looky-loos there's a nature out there and this is what was noted for as I passed by and beheld your devotions I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God You know there's a lot of people out there that are serving an unknown God they don't even know what it is they're serving they're just serving it whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him declare I unto you now they're going to get some clarity they're going to get some instruction they're going to get enlightened God that made the world and all things therein seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands he says you've got an inscription there you've got a building there you're worshiping the unknown God well he's not in a building he's not in a structure he's not he's not in any statue he's not in a picture he's not in anything made with human hands neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he need anything he doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. As so though He needed anything. Seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things. He created it all. So, what is man going to do for Him or give to Him? Natural man. He can't. He created them all. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed. There it is right there. God determined the times before they are appointed. Yep, he determines the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. You're going to watch this in your life. You're going to watch this play out before you. You're going to watch and see the hand of God move through your walk in this life. Don't think it odd if some can move forward and some can't. There's a design of God. There's the sovereignty of God. It's all in his hands and it is appointed before. So watch and and do, just walk forward every day in everything that God gives you to do with all your heart. Keep your soul free of sin, absolutely clear, moving forward getting better bigger stronger along the way just better bigger stronger never looking back you're not on a repeater system you're on a go forward system and realize some can move forward and some have a certain place they can go to and that's where they're bound but you don't stop for anybody you just keep going you keep going with with christ keep going with the lord that they should seek the lord if Happily they might feel after him. Not an interesting sta- statement? You put it out there? You pray that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him. Are they moved? Are their hearts moved to desire him, to feel after him? As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So you watch and see who's going to feel after him who's going to want him who's going to say i want that i want to know the lord more i want what you've got and then go after it who's going to do that and that's what they watched for for as much then as we are the offspring of god we ought not to think that the God his head is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. It's not some statue or some physical thing here. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. He says there was a time and period where God winked at this ignorance. There was a time where he winked at it, but not now. He says, Nope, that time is at an end. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Your hour is before you. That's what he said to these people here, and that's what he's saying today. Today, now, it's for you to repent of the old things and move forward into the new. Leave off the old ways and move forward in that new man and take on that new shaping and that new structure and that something yeah he said right now he said God winked at for a while you may have gotten away with it for a while but not now bless God because if they stayed there they would have fallen short but God made a way where they could come forward and they could also enter into that place and those men waited to see those those ones that had taken up the work of the Lord after the Lord left off He finished out his portion that he came here to do. Now they took up and continued the work. And they were watching to see who God would give that feeling, that opening, that expression, that heart towards God. Here's Paul's example of repenting and making amends. Now see, even Apostle Paul, incredible things he did for God. But did he always? What did Paul look like? when he was out there in the world. In Acts 26 verse nine, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, his own thinking, see how he said, I thought with myself. He wasn't thinking with the spirit of God. He didn't have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He didn't have that tool so he couldn't do anything else except commune with his own mind and with his own self. See where they're in that's an imperfect state they don't he didn't have the tools and so he thought i ought to do many things contrary to the name of jesus christ of nazareth he did things that were totally the opposite of jesus which thing i also did in jerusalem and many of the saints did i shut up in prison he would literally take the saints of god people that served god and served Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he would shut them up in prison. And when he confirmed with his own mind, he thought he was doing what he should be doing. And he, whatever he put his heart to do, whatever he set his mind to do, he did fervently. Having received authority from the chief priests, he said he had full authority from the chief priests, the religious realm at that time. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He chimed in against them when they were put to death. That's where Paul was at. Isn't that something? He plotted it. He joined in it. crucify and kill him. Yeah, that's where he was. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities. He said he went everywhere. He went into the synagogues. He went into strange cities. If he caused, compelled them to blaspheme, that means he tortured them. Isn't that something? That's what Apostle Paul did when he was out in the world and conferred with his own mind. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, now he's got that same authority and uh, commission to go out and just slaughter them. Go out there and shut these guys down and slaughter them. At midday, he's on his way on his commission. Old king, and he's talking to the king here and laying it out. He's giving his testimony. I saw in the way a light from heaven. He saw it above the brightness of the sun. This light that Paul saw was brighter than the sun, the physical sun. natural Sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me they all saw it there were ones that were journeying with him all of them saw this bright light and when we were all fallen to the earth I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue Saul Saul why per- persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That was his awakening. That was his call. That was his moment when God visited him. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Wow. Could you imagine how that hit him? Up until that point, he thought he was doing something that was okay. He was commended, he was commissioned, he was told by all sorts of people that it was all right. Up until that point, then all of a sudden, the Lord said, "Uh uh-uh, this is what you've actually been doing. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. And that's something? God allowed it up to a certain point, and then he said, okay, I'm here. But look at how gracious, look how merciful, Look how forgiving God is. God did that same thing that you saw earlier in the scripture. You did these things in ignorance. But now I'm going to show myself to you and you're going to understand what you've been doing and I'm giving you an opportunity and here it is right now. You're going to change your ways and you're going to become strong and you're going to do an about face and I'm going to make you a whole new man and everything that you go through it's going to be used for good for my name from this point on that's exactly the path that every christian has embarked on that's exactly it what a glorious thing so does it matter what you did back there what does it matter what you did five minutes ago five seconds ago if you, god's turned that light on you've got clarifying and you've repented And all of a sudden you're walking in a whole new understanding and a whole new light. You've been enlarged. See how God saw him? Even after all the things that he'd done, look at how God saw him. How merciful is God? And he says, this is what you're going to go on and do. You're going to be delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. He says, I'm going to send you out now to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Sanctified by faith. You've embarked on a walk that is free of sin, And you're sanctified by faith, that faith and confidence, knowing that God will show you every step of the way exactly what you should and shouldn't be doing at any given time. And if you made a mistake, he's done it for a reason, to teach you something, to lay that down in there, to make you larger so that you can use it to help others down the road. It's a win-win going forward. Look at how much God forgave Paul of. Look at the example that he is to this very day of taking on everything that God told him to take on there. He took it on with every ounce and every fiber of his being. Just like it said, you love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Yeah, and your neighbor as yourself. All right, 1 John 3, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. So don't be standing there beating yourself up, condemning yourself, When God doesn't condemn you, let it go, hold your head up high, move forward. If God's forgiven you and wiped it clear, forgive yourself, let it go, move forward, do what you need to do. And we're going to get into that in a bit. There's a process. If you've been done something that doesn't line up with him, then there's a process to get it removed. But if you have that full confidence in God, you know, okay, I've gotten it right. I'm good to go. That means you've got confidence in God. If your heart is condemning you, God's greater than your heart. He'll he'll keep you going. But it's much better if you can just let it go. You'll move forward faster. You won't have any baggage you're carrying along. In 1 John 1, verse 8, or verse 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. There's your confidence. He will wipe it away. It's gone. It's gone. Move forward. Don't remember it anymore. If God doesn't remember it, why should you? Just remember what you learned. And move forward in that. Be remade. Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you see how that's a two-way street? That's a two-way street. If God's forgiving you, what should you be doing? Let's go into Matthew six fourteen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Two-way street. You can't have God just forgiving you, forgiving you, and then you holding stuff against people. Uh-uh. That doesn't work. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you're going to hold stuff against people, God's going to go, whoa. He doesn't have to forgive you anything if you won't forgive them. Two way street. you If somebody's done something that's trespassed against you or afflicted you or offended you, forgive them. Forgive them. Let it go. Mark eleven twenty-five, 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespass. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive you, forgive your trespass. All right. So if there is a trespass and somebody's trespassed against you, you forgive them, you let it go. But how do you, how do you deal with it? Luke seventeen three. take heed to yourself. Be very careful here. Enter into this one very carefully. If thy brother trespass against them, against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Forgive him. See, there's an interaction there. If and that's how the learning curve goes, if somebody's done something, you go to them and they repent of it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that. I won't do it again. Forgive them. The meaning of repent is to think differently or after or think afterwards. Think after it. Think differently about something. Think about it. Get your mind and just think upon it. Reconsider. Reconsider how you're doing things. Reconsider how you're behaving. Reconsider how you're reacting. Reconsider. Morally feel compunction to exercise the mind observe it don't blow it off stop and take a real good look at it to comprehend get the understanding on it take heed to it consider it perceive it think and understand what's being said to you get that understanding that's what repent means you're going to t- you don't just flippantly say oh i'm sorry no you stop and you really think about it and make sure you understand what you're being confronted with, what's being said to you. Make sure you really take the time. There's a process that's uh, involved in repenting. There's a process of really getting in and really understanding what's been pointed out to you. So what does it say over in Matthew 3, 7? Bring forth therefore fruits or behavior, meet or worthy for repentance. So if you're going to repent, then you've got to bring forth that fruit. You've got to get in there. You've got to do your work. You've got to make sure you understand what you were told, understand what was going on, understand the dynamic, and understand if there's changes you need to make, what you need to do differently, and then take it on. That's change your behavior and show that you're worthy of that repentance by your changed behavior. That's how you know somebody has truly repented. They'll change their behavior. They won't keep repeating it. They'll do it a whole new way. They'll take on a whole new way of doing it. And you'll watch them. They'll gradually begin to transform. And those old things will fall off. It's a process. And just like you may not lift that weight very far at first, but the more you do it, ooh, ooh, whoa, hey, you're gonna get really strong you're exercising it and becoming stronger and stronger and with that great love and compassion you're guiding each other forward getting better and better and better over in Luke 23 verse 33 and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary there they crucified him they crucified Christ and the male factors one on the right hand and one on the other the other on the left here's Jesus Here's Jesus here. So you had the two, on either one on either side of Jesus, and Jesus was in the center being crucified on that mount. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. If you think anything's too hard to forgive, and you want to hold something against somebody, consider that day on the cross when Jesus had been so horribly afflicted and took it all upon him, and he said to God the Father, forgive them, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can you forgive? Can you forget? Can you love the way he loves and move forward? In Hebrews twelve fourteen, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Do you see why you have to let it go? If you harbor something against somebody and you hold them back in an old place, it's gonna fester in there and it's gonna create a bitterness that's just gonna, and you're gonna feel it. There's gonna be just this little spike of anger. Ugh. but they did this to me. They did that to me. They were like this. It's going to be there eating away like a canker. Let it go. Don't harbor anything. It's very, very important to let it go. Forgive and forget. Wash it away. Be like the Lord. Because if it doesn't, it can spring up and it can defile many people because there will be that rancor that will come up. So I'm going to finish out with this in Matthew 18, verse 21, knowing that you're to forgive your brother. So Peter came up to the Lord. I'm sure Peter was pretty feisty. You know, I remember how he tried to cut that one soldier's ear off and he was, you know, really bold and impulsive. There are those makeups, but God loved him. God chose him and God tempered him out. He went through a lot of things and then he had to be straightened and try it a whole new way. He became the most incredible um, soldier for the Lord, an amazing apostle, and did a full work after God finished shaping him. But Peter, then came Peter to him, speaking of the Lord, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? <laughs> how many times do I have to forgive him if he's sinning against me? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven, innumerable, innumerable. And that's something? The flesh would like, you know, the flesh, it's just mm, not a pleasant thing, but be like God, be like him, do it his way, have that, that love that covers a multitude of sins. Love will cover a multitude of sins. A faithful soul concealeth the matter and love covereth. It will cover it. So Peter got his answer. Peter's heart was enlarged in that moment because he knew he had to line up with that. So he had to just stretch and become very large. So if God is stretching you and enlarging you and making you very, very huge in him, bless God. Your mansion has just gotten a whole new wing put on it today. What a beautiful thing. So forgive yourself, forgive your brother, and go forward in God, making sure that every step along the way you keep that slate washed clean. Check with Him, say, Lord, is there anything I need to address? Listen to Him, line it up, get in that word. You don't have to go out, and, and if you have something between a brother, you don't have to go out and do a big display about it. You do it privately. If you're repenting before God, it's between you and the Lord. You don't have to come up in front of everybody and flog yourself. No. You get in your closet between you and God, and you do what God shows you to do to make it right, and you clean yourself up between you and him. That's it. It's a personal, individual walk between you and him. And if he shows you to make recompense in any way, you do that. And if you have something between you and your brother, you make it right between you and your brother. You don't make a big fanfare and a big show of it. You do it between you and them. Well, I love you dearly. Bless God. We have such a magnificent and gracious God. Go forward in the beauty and majesty, and glory, and love, and forgiveness of our Savior.
1: Amen. This is Get Your Love on Radio, and that was an incredible message on forgive and forget. It was a packed show, as promised. Of course, next week week we'll be back as well. If you missed any part of the show or you want to review what you heard, it's really easy. Just go to getyourloveon.org. Every show is archived. We have Bible studies, further teaching on water baptism, the fivefold ministry, and so much more to bless your soul. Since we spent the last two hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. Until next week, sure love you. Lord bless you.
0: Man or woman, man or woman who is so down, try keep your love on, on. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God, keep your love on. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Keep your love on, 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 on Don't let it die, don't let it tie Don't let it die. no, no It's a simple message But that doesn't mean it's wrong I keep my love on if I were you, and I'm a simple singer, but my heart and mind are strong. I keep my love on, yes, I do. You must dream in color, ask your questions, cause life does not give honorable mentions. Think in more than two dimensions, in case your tightrope loses tension. I'll be here if ever you need a friend. No, I will, and I'll be here too to lend a friendly.